You're listening to the Nice Girls CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Benavidez, and I am so passionate about women and maybe a few good men too, who are ready to live on purpose and make an impact. So if you want to be a leader in the world and build a business that makes a difference, and you want to be bold and confident so you can show up and stand out, then this is the place to be. Ready? Let's go. This month, we've been chatting about how to really grow your business and step into those CEO stilettos to become a leader for your business and manage it in a way that feels good and allows you to have that freedom lifestyle that you signed up for in your business. So we're continuing that conversation today with a very special guest, Melissa Morris, who is a business operations consultant, and I promise she over-delivers in this episode and offers so much value and information for how you can get started creating processes in your business that onboard clients very simply and easily so that you can grow your business by focusing more on it than just working in it all the time. So get ready to lose the overwhelm, get ready to learn how to up-level your business and to really just, again, be that leader in your business and help your clients get more than what even they signed up for. Hey, Nice Girls. Today's guest is Melissa Morris, and she is a business operations consultant, and she's pretty amazing. I have known her for a few months, and we've chatted a couple of times. She's actually brilliant in helping business owners work on their business and not just in their business by creating systems and processes and managing clients in a way that just makes sense, saves time, and also really up levels their game because now they are bringing clients in and there's a flow that works well and they're able to just really grow their business and be a leader for their clients. So welcome, Melissa. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Tell us how you got started doing this operations consultant work. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a funny story. So I have 10 years experience working in ad agencies And my role at these agencies was what was called the account executive, but pretty much I managed clients and managed projects, heavy on project management, heavy on client management. And so I spent this time doing this. And then a few years ago, I decided I was going to go out on my own and I thought I was going to have a social media marketing business. I was like, oh, I'm in advertising. I love advertising. I love my job, but I need to do this on my own. And because of my reputation in the area, fortunately, I built up a pretty good base of retainer clients very quickly doing social media work. And I quickly realized that I was miserable. (laughs) And I was like, I kind of really hate doing this. This is very strange. And kind of just through some exploration with friends, talking with other business owners I was working with, I realized it wasn't the advertising itself that I so much enjoyed. It was the project management, the client management piece. Mm So I uh, went to a couple of the business owners I was working with here locally and said, Hey, I'd love to talk to you about some of these other pieces of your business, which really was the client management pieces. And what I found is there, there were holes, like a lot of small business owners have pretty big holes in their client processes because they've never had to work with clients before. Right. 
And so I started helping them streamline, automate, start setting good expectations, boundaries with their clients and all that. And it really took off. They really enjoyed it. I started to identify that as a need. And then I am um, quickly after, you know, hired a coach and worked to transition that into the online space. And, and here I am. Oh, I love that. And it is so important that we get good processes in place very early on because otherwise what happens, I, I think, and what I see out there is like our clients begin to just consume us and our time and we're no longer living that freedom lifestyle and growing a business that we love. Exactly. So I work a lot with service providers. So you know, obviously they have clients to quote unquote answer to and who are mm -hmm. expecting things from them. But just like so many of us, we have a passion, we have our zone of genius and we go off to do it, whether it's maybe, you know, I work with copywriters, bookkeepers, social media managers, and they have this passion and they go, but what they're lacking is client management experience. And so yeah. they very quickly are just getting trampled by their clients mm -hmm. and they're working crazy hours and they start breaking it down and their hourly wage is nothing when they look at the hours versus what they're charging and then they start getting frustrated and then they start to feel like man maybe I can't do this I don't love this anymore right and so yes. people come to me and I love to work with them and say no 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 like you're really great at what you do let me just help you with this client management piece so that you can get back into your zone of genius and serve your clients in an even better way Love that. And you know, I just want to give you a quick shout out because like I mentioned, we've been talking a couple of times over the last few months. I don't even know how long, like what, four or five months maybe? Yeah, it's been at least that I'd say. Yeah. And I was actually talking with Melissa um, for another client um, that I have and just really helping to get a better idea of how we can manage her, her client processes. And Melissa is like, so smart. And what I even love more is like, it's so simple and she really makes it simple and efficient, which are two of my favorite words in business because it doesn't have to be hard. Yes, it takes work. It takes time and energy. You got to put a little bit of a focus into it to get to where you want to be, but it really comes down to just making it simple and effective so that you can manage your clients. So I just wanted to throw that out there because like, not only is this piece so important, but I love how easy you make it for people. I really appreciate that. And I, I do, I, I try and keep things straightforward, easy. Cause the truth is, is a process that feels really complicated mm -hmm. is not one you're ever going to follow. Yeah. <laughs> you're just not. And the more you can streamline, I was recently working with someone and I, I think part of where that comes from too, is we feel this overwhelm. We feel stress from our clients and we think that if I go and, you know, download this tool, I start using Trello. If I go and pay for a Dubsado, that just kind of magically my business will start to feel organized and put together. And I'm, unfortunately it's not that simple. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so good. Yes. But then what happens is that's when things start to get really overcomplicated. Uh -huh. I've worked with clients who are using two different project management tools. And I'm mm -hmm. like, why, why do we, we have two of the same tool that's supposed to be serving the same function. And then they're like, well, I'm just really frustrated. And it's not surprising because now they've created this really complicated kind of process for themselves. 
So something I work with, I do this with all my clients. So I do both like the consulting and then also implementation if necessary. But we always started this consulting piece where I work my clients through my DISCO framework. And what that is really doing is we're defining the current process, identifying redundancies, gaps, drop-offs. Then we start streamlining. Then we create phases and milestones. Then we look for places we can outsource and we can delegate. So what we're actually doing as we move through this framework is getting a real strategy in place for what our process looks like and then going and finding the tools that we're going to use to implement this process. I love that. I got an email this morning that was talking to something similar to this. And she was saying that the difference between tactics and strategies are tactics are the things that we do, like, you know, having Trello and signing up for Dubsado and those kinds of things, but without the strategy and the learning and know-how and implementation the right kind of implementation, we are trying to build a puzzle without the picture on the box. And I thought that was such a good analogy. And, you know, sometimes people are in different places and you do just need to kind of build the puzzle as you go, which is okay. But I think it's very important to be clear on what you're doing and like dive into one thing to really learn it and let it work for you rather than just signing up for all the free things and then never doing anything with them. Exactly. That is so on point. And I also love that analogy. I think that's a really great one. And, and that's exactly what happens. You know, I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of back to this woman who had the two project management tools and she's like, well, I have this information and it zaps over to the spreadsheet. I'm like, okay, well, why are we collecting that data? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I thought I might need it. (laughs) Wait, you don't need it. (laughs) So then let's, let's bring it back to simple. Like before we go buy a tool, before we start, like, what is it that we're trying to keep track of? What is it that we need? What are those spots for accountability? What are those milestones that we're looking at? Um, Now let's go find the tool that will support us in, and following up with all that. Oh, that's awesome. 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 So let's dive in a little bit to our own tactics and tips that you're going to share with us on what it looks like to have a client process and, you know, just really manage our clients in a way that feels good and simple and easy. So I talk a lot about client processes because I believe with just 100% certainty that if you're a service provider, the first process you should get buttoned up, locked up is your client processes, client onboarding, client management, and client offboarding. As we've talked about, as a service provider, what are you doing? You're, you're serving clients and other people are about the biggest variable that we can have in our business, right? Like we need to make sure they're getting us what they need to get our jobs done. We need to make sure they're getting it in the right format. Are they emailing us like crazy so we can't even manage to get our work done, right? This can become a very, very time-consuming piece. And this is where we start to hear all the talk about like boundaries and having client boundaries and what does that mean? And all of that stuff gets really wrapped up in having a really solid client processes, more specifically the client onboarding process. And why that client onboarding process is so important is because we're going to use parts of that onboarding process to control the variable in our business, the clients, right? Like Mm -hmm. try and control that, try and get rid of those three emails a day, the micromanaging, 
the scope creep, which is a big one. So oh, scope gosh. creep. Yes. When we're getting asked to do things that really fall outside, you know, what we're supposed to be working on for them. So IE now we're doing work. We're not getting paid to do. So getting that onboarding process really clear we can start to reduce all of that, reduce the scope creep, eliminate scope creep, eliminate these excessive messages. So the key piece about a client onboarding process is setting expectations. This is how we're going to start to control that variable of the client. And so four expectations you should be setting for all of your clients is your process overview and deliverables. So what does your process look like? Are we going to brainstorm first? How many calls are we going to have? What does the design phase look like? Just give them a high level look of what they can expect. The preferred methods of communication. How do you want them to reach out to you? You don't want to get yourself in a situation where you're getting boxers and Facebook messages and emails and this client only sends you stuff via email, but this one boxers you all day long. It's really difficult to keep track of what's going on with each client and then also how you should be reaching them. So let them know your preferred methods of communication, which includes when you will be getting back to them. Will you respond to them within 24 hours? Will it be 48 hours? Will it be a week? Whatever that is, you need to let them know when they can expect to hear back from you. And I want to take like a moment to come on, like kind of put an aside to that is this is again where we're like setting those boundaries because if we're letting them know upfront that I can take up to three days to respond to an email, don't send me an email and send me another email saying, did you get it? And send me a message that says, you know, Hey, did you see my email? Right? Like we've yes. let them know, give me three days. If you haven't heard from me in three days, okay, maybe follow up. And then also that takes the pressure off of us as the business owner to go, oh my gosh, they sent me an email and I still haven't responded. Oh, they're going to think I'm ignoring them. Oh, they're going to think I didn't see it. Oh, they're going to think, <laughs> you know, that overachiever in us, we want to give excellent customer service and we want to be there for them. So we, we, a lot of times put that pressure on ourselves. I was just going to say that I feel like it's this exercise is like a must do, whether you hire someone like Melissa or not. Doing that exercise is going to open your own eyes because I bet most of you listening right now don't even really know how you prefer to contact and connect with people. And because a lot of the people-pleasing thoughts and energy comes in, so you're just like, oh, whatever you want to do, I'll be there. I'll answer texts in the middle of the night and check my Voxer and email and Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp and no you need to set boundaries so that you can show up as your best and just you know support them the way that they deserve to be supported as well but it's with where you can do that for them so like setting this expectation i think this exercise is huge yes and that's that's exactly right we we get in that people pleaser mode i see this a lot where cuz kind of when we're first starting our businesses we think that giving great customer service is just being like completely available to our clients mm -hmm. and just whatever they want. And, and it's understandable. Like we're first starting out. We're just so grateful people are paying us. We're like, whatever you want, I got you. Right. Especially if it's service provider, like we're obviously of service. And of service. Right. And yeah. we want to help exactly people who want to help. And so you, we, we get in this mindset that if I am just, oh, however you want to reach out to me, oh, whenever you think we need a meeting, oh, whenever you think, 
And what you're actually doing is one, you're putting a lot of pressure on the client because they're like, I I don't know, do I need a meeting? Is this meeting included? Is this meeting not included? And then also creating a lot of confusion too. Well, Well, just message me however you want. Okay. Well, maybe I send you an email and you don't answer it. Well, did she get it? Does she check email? Well, maybe I should send her a Facebook message. And then we send a Facebook message to, you know what I mean? And we're like, well, I don't know. She hasn't read it. Well, maybe I should. So now your client's just kind of left wondering, like, I don't really know if you've got it. Do you check your email every four days? Like, I'm not really sure what's happening. And then us as the business owner start to panic and we go, oh my gosh, I sent an email and they sent a Facebook message and oh my gosh, I didn't respond to any of them. And all of this just comes back to like these really unclear expectations. And so if we just let our clients know upfront, hey, if you send me an email, I will for sure get back to you within two days. It takes the pressure off ourselves. But then also what we're doing is we're actually providing a really good client experience because the client knows, okay, if I emailed her, she's going to find it. Like this is the spot she wants me to put the information. I know she's going to find it. And I don't need to stress out and wonder if she's got it because I know that by the end of tomorrow, I will hear back from her. So what we need to kind of break our mindset, like that bad mindset around is that having boundaries is a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing to have these boundaries and expectations because your client will so appreciate it. Yeah. It's so healthy. And it even creeps into our personal life too. You know, we have to have boundaries there as well with family and friends and just in our life in general. I want to highlight something that you said about one of the many reasons that this is so important to set these expectations. You said that if you're just telling the client that, you know, however you want to connect with me and whenever you want to set a meeting, just let me know how that puts a lot of pressure on the client. And I think that's a really key thing to keep in mind. I feel like it also kind of pulls you down as the professional because you're not stating, you know, your clients are coming to you for help, especially as a service provider. They're coming to you because they need something for their business and, or, you know, whatever it is, their life relationships, whatever. And you're then you're just saying, okay, well, like figure it out and let me know what you want to do. And the flip side is that you're supposed to be showing up for them and telling them what they need to do in order to fix the problem that they came to you for. That is so exactly right. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) Spot on, girl. Yes. That is something I always preach that you need to be the leader in this Mm -hmm. business relationship. And don't shy away from that. Or again, think that it's bad if you're the leader because the person who is paying you is paying you because either they don't know how to do whatever it is they're paying you to do. So they really are looking for you to guide the way. They don't want to do it. And again, if you're putting it back on them, they're like, I don't want to do this. What am I paying you for? Exactly. Right. Or, or they don't have the time to do it. So again, they're paying you to do it. And then you keep kind of putting it back on them and they're like, well, I don't have time for this. This is why I'm paying you to take care of this for me. Oh, I love that. So again, kind of coming back to these expectations you want to set, you, you know, want to set forth. So I said, you know, like the process overview and deliverables, your preferred methods of communication. And then also we want to give them a little bit of like some meeting details, kind of is similar to what we were just talking about, but I really have worked with clients where I'm like, well, how often do you meet when they're with your clients as needed? And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> not right. as needed. Um, because one, again, that's putting pressure on your client to determine whether or not there's a need. Like you're the, you're the professional, you let them know if there's a need, right? 
And then number two, that's risky business because what can happen is, is now your clients left feeling maybe a spot of confusion around something. Maybe they're needing extra support around something, but again, like the pressures on them to schedule the meeting, is it included? Is it not? And then what can often happen is a point of confusion or a frustration, a bottleneck, something gets left unsaid. And it sits and sits and sits. And then it comes up from contract renewal time six months later and they don't renew mm-hmm. when this is really something that could have been resolved three months ago because it was really the result of a misunderstanding or they just needed a little bit of extra support. So I always recommend that we obviously don't want to meet for no reason, right? We don't want to have meetings for the sake of meetings. Never. Never. <laughs> But at the, the very minimum, you know, every at least couple of months or so, you should be having an actual quote unquote face-to-face, screen-to-screen mm-hmm. touch with your clients, right? Like even if it's just a 15 minute once a month, every six weeks, whatever that looks like, where we just look, hey, how are things going? How are things doing, right? What's um, needed? What's, what's right? Yeah. How are we feeling about things? What's going on here? Um, so important. And then for those that do have regular meetings with clients, have a game plan for that. Know what's going to happen during those meetings and let your client know what's going to happen to those meetings. Because if you don't, that's how we get ourselves having unproductive meetings, mm-hmm. meaning everybody hops up on the call, they're ready for the meeting. And it's like, what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, right? I'm like, been there and I don't like to go there. <laughs> Correct. Like we are all busy. Yes. yes. We are all busy. If we're going to have a call, I better know it's important. And then also to that, if you let them know, the last thing you want to get is you've blocked off. Everybody's blocked off, you know, 60 minutes on their calendar for a meeting. And you start the meeting with like, okay, well let's pull up your Google analytics data. And they're like, I don't, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that is. And that's what you had planned to talk about for 60 minutes. Well, you just wasted everybody's time because you can't proceed with the meeting or what's likely to happen is now the meeting is spent 60 minutes of just kind of fluff and chatting and like, well, let's pretend you did have it and let's da 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 because we're all here. But ultimately what it ends up is a, a wasted 60 minutes for everybody. Yeah. So get really clear on your meeting details and this, you know, I started to touch on this, but what you need from them. So not only what you need from your client in the big picture up front, maybe it's things like I need you to um, show up to all of meetings on time. Um, If you need to cancel, I need 48 hours notice, but also things that you'll need for them. Like as a heads up, as we're going through this, I'm going to need login information and I'm going to need access to X, Y, or Z, or I'm going to need these types of images. And here's a video tutorial on how to find these images or Mm. whatever that looks like, but let the client know what you need from them up front so they can start working on it or raise their hand and say, Hey, I got a problem. Cause I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah. So those are the, the four things. And I would like to say, I recommend the best way to deliver these four things again, as part of your client onboarding process. So this mm-hmm. is after they have signed the contract and paid, right? So that always comes first because we want to make sure there are going to be no issues with any disputes about the contract or discomfort there payment, nothing has changed. So once that goes through, that's when you want to deliver your, what I call expectations email. It's also other people have called it maybe like a getting started email, but it's this first email. And I call it an expectations email to remind us all. And to remember to include those four 
expectations we want to set with the client, the process overview and deliverables, preferred methods of communication, our meeting details, and what we need from them. So we want to deliver all of that in that email. But I do want to kind of make a side note to that. If you have a business where you need a lot of information from your clients, the other big piece of a client onboarding that kind of comes along with some of this expectations and getting some of this taken care of is a kickoff call. And mm -hmm. so we would use this. It's typically going to be maybe more like a 30 minute call. We're going to kind of address some of the things you need from them, maybe some of the process overview and deliverables. So this is really useful if your process is lengthy, maybe if you're dealing with something that's a little bit more techie. So for example, if you're building a website from somebody and you're going to need hosting information and their domain and the, the vast majority of us are going to go, right, like, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. And then what's going to happen is you're the web designer and you're like, why aren't they getting me their hosting information? And I'm the client and I'm going like, I don't know where to find the hosting information. I don't know what this is. This keeps moving to the bottom of my to-do list. Mm -hmm. We can get this kickoff call scheduled and we can get them on the phone and say, hey, these are where you're going to look. I can either walk you through it here. I can send you a tutorial now that I know who your hosting company is. Let me show you how to go find this information. Okay, sure, maybe you're going to spend 20 or 30 minutes on a call getting some of these little things taken care of. But what you will save is spending the next two or three weeks hunting them down and trying to handle all of this via yes. email. I like that because that same thought process works for like a bigger picture. Cause I think a lot of people might be listening to this and saying, Oh, it sounds nice, but it also sounds like a lot of work to go through and create your own processes because it comes so naturally to us usually that to sit down and actually step-by-step step walk through what it should look like can take time. However, like you just said, in the long, long run, long run <laughs> um, it actually makes sense because you're going to save yourself so much time in your business. Once you do it once, you just get to rinse and repeat. You might tweak it and you know make it better, but it's already there for you to use and reuse with clients that you know continue to come in. Yes, that's exactly right. And it can be a little bit of a slow and steady if you're doing it on your own or maybe you're not as comfortable with this. But the key is to definitely start. I say if you are at a point where you've kind of, you, you know what you're selling, like you have to know what you're selling and kind of have that package in place. You know what you're going to pitch. But right at that moment, go ahead and start keeping track of what you're doing for each of those clients because then you will start to see oh, I actually do need this every single time for clients and I just never ask for it until I need it and now it's too late and you'll start to see what your process looks like, but you've got to start somewhere and the great place to start is just documenting it. Yeah, definitely. And you, that was actually my question earlier. You kind of started to answer it here is, you know, to start documenting early, but when would somebody look to maybe hire you or, you know, someone like you that does this operations work to really get it all in place. I mean, I know there's going to be a little bit of different things, but just give us an idea so that whoever's listening is asking that question, like, am I ready for this? What would, what would they need to look at? So you're ready if, again, you, you have to have a package in place. Now, and a lot of people are going to say like, I don't know my process. I don't have a process there is no need to already have some kind of process. And for mm -hmm. some reason, that's something people believe is they're like, maybe I kind of already need to have a process before 
I, I go get a process, but um, it's like, I always equate it to like when you clean the house before the house cleaning company comes. I was thinking that. Yes, exactly. I'm kind of guilty of that. So yeah, yeah. Um, so for sure, that's, that's definitely not necessary. You know, I've been pulling contracts out of word documents and I mean, all kind, you know, all kind of stuff. So it's less about that and more about like, do you know your service offering? And is it consistent? Meaning, are you giving the same deliverables? Are you giving the same, is the cost the same? Um, because I cannot help automate and help streamline when you're still doing custom work for every single job. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So you, you really need to have your packages clear. You need to know what you're selling. After that point, though, if you know, like, this is the package that sells, you're kind of done with that testing phase, and you're like, these are my service offerings, and of course, maybe not forever and ever, amen, but for the foreseeable future, that is definitely the time to start getting processes in place, because what will happen is you're going to keep waiting and waiting and think, well, when I get more clients, or I'm still doing just fine now, I can remember everything. I don't need a project management mm -hmm. tool. And then what happens is it's pretty easy to remember everything you got going on for just two or three clients. But yeah. then you get four clients, mm -hmm. then you get five clients, then you get <laughs> six. And suddenly, I'm telling you, after you start getting even just four or five, you start to lose track. You're like, wait, what were we doing? Have I done that for them? What was I waiting on? And get those processes in place because then once you get to that point where you can no longer keep it all in your head, which happens much, much sooner than we all believe it will, that's when you find yourself constantly looking back over to-do list after to-do list, shuffling through notes, going through your email. I hear this all the time. I just like search through my email to find what we last talked about and what they were supposed to do. And that's a major, major time suck. So you don't want to get to that point because when the business owner gets to that point, now they're, they're like more in desperation. Like I'm working 12 hours a day and I don't need to be. Yes. Yeah. That's what I mean is like, you know, you, you see what the entrepreneurial life looks like for so many people and it's like this freedom and do what you want and travel and you're grinding it out, you know, 20 hours right. a day wondering what the heck, what, this is not what I signed up for. And a lot of times it's you getting in the way of that next step, that next level for you. But it's going to take some work, but it's the right work. And I think that's the key thing. And it always is the key thing. It's like mm -hmm. the right work and being really laser focused and productive on the things that are going to move you forward rather than tweaking the font colors and changing mm -hmm. the website menu. Like mm -hmm. stop that and step into those CEO shoes and grow a freaking business. Like, Amen. <laughs> Amen, girl. Yes. That is it. So I know you keep bringing up um, project management tools. I'd love to hear some of your recommendations and thoughts on what those are, because I think it's different for everyone and we all kind of have to find our own favorite, but what do you find is the best tool for using? So I've actually found the, the vast majority of people come to me um, and so I, I like to go off of that because then I know they're user friendly. Mm -hmm. They apply to a lot of businesses and they really are Trello and Asana. They are really two of the more popular ones anyway that we hear about, but that's yeah. for good reason because right. they're easy to use. They're versatile. Um, and again, I like to look for that low learning curve 
Mm -hmm. right? Simple to use. The last thing you want to do, especially if you're one of the business owners who come to me who have waited until they're like drowning in work now to try and like learn this whole new tool and all these complicated things. <laughs> it's way too much. It's way yeah. too much. So again, hint, hint, start sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to project management tools, I would say if, especially if this is a whole new realm for you and you're kind of in the earlier stages, not to say that these don't work really well for businesses much farther along, but I would start there. And just quickly while we're on the topic of tools, another question I get a lot of time is like, what tools do I need? What tools do these do? Um, and there's kind of all this confusion and I'll see people trying to use a project management tool like a CRM and then wondering yeah. why they're frustrated. Uh -huh. So if you're a service provider, the basic tools you're probably going to need is a CRM. The CRM is going to be where you're handling your contracts, proposals, invoices, payments, all of that good stuff. Um, you can potentially be doing a lot of your automation will likely be happening there. One I recommend is Dubsado. It's a really mm. good one. Others out there are HoneyBook is another one that is often used, 17 hats or some. But Dubsado is the one I recommend, again, because it's user-friendly and it works well with a lot of the other tools that are out there. So that's your CRM. The next is you'll need a project management tool. So this is gonna be likely Trello, Asana, other project management tools you might hear about are things like Basecamp. ClickUp is like the new hotness. Everybody's talking about ClickUp. I haven't um, heard of that one yet. Oh, and, and this is what's funny too, is just because there's a new project management tool or a new CRM that claims, you know, the, they're all great tools, mm -hmm. but you don't need to change just because there's a new one or yeah. somebody else really loves it. They're only side. great tools when you're using them, right? Correct. <laughs> yes. Yes. So those are going to be your project management tools. And then you're likely going to need a schedule or two. Like how can people mm -hmm. schedule meetings with you? Acuity is my fave. Calendly is another very popular one. But you're going to need those three things in terms of tools and only one from each category. Love that. That's really helpful. And a lot of them have like free trials so that you can kind of test out if yes. you don't really know them that you can, you know, just check it out and see which one that you feel best using. And again, they're all great tools, but only when you actually use them. So like I started with Trello a while back when a lot of people were raving about Asana. And what I loved about Trello was that I could really create like pretty backgrounds and colors. Mm -hmm. And so that was what grabbed my attention and actually made me use it. I'm very much like a visual person. I like pretty things. So when I can see prettiness in my work, that just makes me feel more motivated. And I think Asana does that now too. I don't know if you know, but. That's a great point though. I, I don't want to forget to speak on that is one of the things I talk about too is what will play a role in what project management tool you want is how your brain works. And yeah. if you're a really visual person, uh -huh. then Trello is going to be a really nice option for you. Yeah. If you're very much like a list and check it off the list kind of person, Asana is going to be more your route. It's so funny. I think every single bookkeeper or CFO I've worked with is Asana. Yep. And every single designer <laughs> is Trello. That's so funny. Like I'm trying to like practice and guess like before they tell me which one they're going to pick really just solely based on like their profession. Oh, oh my um, God, that's funny. Because I'm really starting to see that trend that people who are a little more 
um, more that project manager, more break it down, very logical, analytical, data-driven, really like Asana. And then people who are more, you know, kind of like things a little bit more high level, like to look at all the pieces, um, they are more creative, they really like Trello. And that's not to say that it never goes the other way, but hey, yeah. it really is something to take into consideration because if you find it just really fresh, I was on a call this morning and she's a social media manager and she works in Asana and someone had set up one of the projects in there as the board style, which makes it look more like Trello right? versus like that checklist style. And she's like, you just need to make this go away. Like I can't even say, <laughs> I can't figure out what is happening here and I need it fixed. <laughs> and then you have the people that are super type A and organized that like Basecamp and... Right. Monday.com is a really popular Monday. one too. No, there's another one that I use. Oh, Teamwork. Oh, okay. Teamwork. Yeah. Oh, one of our, or maybe two of our clients, I think in, for one of for our event planning company, use teamwork. And you know, my brain does not work that way. So it's like really it. <laughs> difficult for me to dive into theirs. And I just, you know, have to change my mindset about it because that's yeah. what that client uses. And I still need to go pull my to-dos off of there, but I just prefer simple. And so, yeah, that was very helpful though. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So Melissa's contact information, Facebook website, everything will be linked down below or to the side, wherever it is, where you're listening in the show notes so that you can follow her, learn from her, connect with her, and um, you know maybe work with her if you are ready for that. And the other thing that's going to be linked is an, a client onboarding checklist. So make sure you download that so that you can go through the, this process of onboarding your clients properly and in a way that just helps you to manage your business a lot better. And you want to tell us a little bit about that checklist, anything we need to know or what it's Yeah, I think it's a really great place to start, especially if um, you're thinking like client onboarding, like I don't really know, what do I even need? Um, it's a really straightforward checklist, like, and it will get you thinking about other pieces you need. Like, for example, I, you know, what I'm on there is like create folder on Google Drive or Dropbox. Oftentimes we need a place to store all the information our client's going to send us. We don't want to just be putting it on our desktop or pulling it out of email. Yeah. And so just helping you think through some of those other pieces and, and what needs to happen. The other really useful thing about that checklist is we have on there the expectations email and make sure you have that. And there's a link in that checklist for an expectations email template. So mm -hmm. you can actually get that template and start to fill in your own process overview and deliverables, preferred methods of communication, and start filling in those blanks and kind of working that template to your own so you can start sending that out to your clients and start getting ahead of the curve and get a, uh, getting ahead of the overwhelm or stemming the tide if you're already in that space and you know you're bringing on new clients. Oh my gosh. You see how awesome she is, you guys? Like that's, that's such an incredible free gift that she is giving to all of you. So again, the link is down below. Make sure you grab your checklist. And as always, before we wrap up, I would love for you, Melissa, to share an action step that we can take because we are all about action. Nothing gets done unless we do something about it. So what can we do today or this week to move forward in having a good onboarding process. So we already talked about this and, and the biggest thing you can do is obviously start documenting what you do and as you go through it 
And then because we talked a lot about that, I'm gonna add in another one. And I would encourage you to write down what your boundaries are. Oh, yes. When do you wanna respond to client emails? Is it 24 hours? Is it four hours? Is it three days? What does that look like? Because it's hard to know if someone's going over your boundary if you're not even clear on what your boundary is. Oh my and gosh. To, can you say that one more time? <laughs> <laughs> like, let me see if I can remember what I said. Um, it's hard to know if someone is crossing your boundary when you don't even know what your boundary is. If you're oh, not clear on oh, it. Yeah. That is yes. so important. Yeah. So I would really encourage you to think about that. Like what is status quo for taking care of my clients? And then what is going to be considered above and beyond? And just getting really clear about that. And this even goes, you know, a big challenge too is say, Take a look at the work you do and have you been really clear about what deliverables are involved because this is reducing that scope creep because what happens too is we get ourselves in the situation where we're working on a project. I, I just, I hear this so many times and they say, well, and then they asked me to do this other thing. Yeah. And I said, oh, well, are you, and they're like, it's not really included, but I didn't really say it wasn't included and it's mm -hmm. kind of, and that's where it starts to get blurry, right? Yeah. And so now you're stuck in that uncomfortable conversation that most of us don't want to have, but we still can have for the record is to say that's actually not included. And because that can be a space where many of us don't feel comfortable and we don't really like that conversation is saying that's extra. If we can just refer back to our deliverables where our clients already signed off on that, then we don't have to feel so bad about it. And we'd be like, yeah, um, check back over our deliverables. As it says in there, anything outside of this is an extra fee. So we've kind of gotten past that. So definitely just think about your boundaries and what is actually included in your service offering and what would be considered, again, like above and beyond and what would require additional fees. Love it. Thank you so much. Oh, this was such a great conversation. As always, I love chatting with you and I look forward to hearing all the great feedback from the listeners on what they've learned. And I really do, again, encourage all of you to reach out to Melissa or at least just follow her, you know, on Instagram, Facebook, and um, download your checklist as well. Thanks again for listening, Melissa. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I so enjoyed it. All right, have a great day and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And if you really enjoyed it, I'd love for you to write a review and share it. Also be sure to connect with me in my Facebook group, Social Impact Squad, and follow me on Instagram at NiceGirlCEO. Hope you have an awesome day. Go take action in reaching your goals and I'll see you next time.